0: Love it you're like a qualified gay like you've got like a- oh, qualifications yeah, yeah. in it
1: <laughs> <laughs> qualified gay i like that i'm gonna yeah. use that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> welcome to something queer is happening here where we discuss queer subtext in literature and media because why bury your gays when you can dig them up. Oh, that was very professional. Right, I love that. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and joining us today for a Halloween extravaganza is queer horror specialist and wonderful friend, Lucy. Yeah. Lucy is the co-host of the Friends podcast and her work on horror and queerness has been published in the Hero Scream anthology. She's also collaborated with Audrey on a guide to, uh, four Edgar Allan post story, which is uh, coming out on the Audrey app this month. Uh, It's either coming out uh, soon or come out already. We're recording this in advance and I don't know when the release date is. So um, all that info will be in the show notes when we release. Um, Lucy, do you have anything to add to your introduction? Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. Really excited to be
1: here. But um, yeah, I basically talk about... All things queer and horror on the internet, on like the Hear a Scream um, website as well. I've done a couple pieces as well about like gender and horror and being non-binary. Um, I've started doing a couple talks as well. I did a talk at the University of Surrey a couple months ago about queer horror, so I'm trying to do a bit more in that space. But yeah, you can find I'm sure we plugs at the end, but you can find me on all the socials. Basically, just being a gay disaster and talking about everything spooky.
0: So yeah, <laughs> I love it. You're like a qualified gay. Like you've got like, a oh, qualifications yeah, yeah. in it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Qualified gay. I like that. I'm going to yeah. use that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So
0: um, at the beginning of episodes where we have guests, we like to ask our guests some questions. Uh, so first of all, what is your favorite queer subtext ship or character?
1: So this was actually a really difficult question i decided to keep it to just horror because if i went down the sci-fi or like the fantasy route we would be here for like four hours because i can i can talk for scotland um but like a horror film where i really like where it's like kind of like a subtext and it's kind of hinted at is um lucia and anna in martyrs now i will say that martyrs is more of like an extreme horror it's a french extremist horror so it's definitely I haven't watched it <laughs> probably. I <don't> <laughs> It's definitely not for the faint part. Like it is a very gory film and it's about trauma and about PTSD and it's a very philosophical film. But the relationship between those two characters, it is it is very queer. They have like some really tender moments and a couple of like really hard scenes. But the whole point of that relationship is up to the audience to decide if it's queer or if it's just like a really close friendship and it's a trauma bond. And it's just it i don't want to say too much without giving it away because it is a very it is like trigger galore that film but their their relationship is like it's very sweet and it also kind of reminds me of being queer and growing up as well and the whole being in love with your best friend kind of thing which i'll probably get onto on some other recommendations so yeah those two if you like extreme horror if you like things about the meaning of life the martyrs is like a really good film
0: Okay, so what about your favourite canon, queership, or character? So, I feel like
1: it has to be Jennifer's body. Like, I yeah. mention this at any given time. I have a Jennifer's it's body it, tattoo. It, is it canon
0: or is it subtext? Like, it's really hard it's to tell. Totally it's, it. ca-
1: it's canon and I will die on that hill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, Jen-
1: Jennifer and Needy, you know, I mean, Jennifer's bisexual cheerleader that kills, kills boys. I mean, how is that not iconic? But like, Again, I really relate to that relationship and like, being in love <laughs> with your, your best friend.
0: You really relate to being a bisexual cheerleader. <laughs> it's, you know, so I, believable I, that Jennifer... It, it, it,
1: I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I I wish I was. Uh, but yeah, it's. I, I really love that film. And it's quite interesting because I saw it on TikTok yesterday because all my TikTok stuff's horror. And people are saying that the new horror movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is like Gen Z's horror film. And then for like Boomers, it's like The Exorcist. And for Millennials, it's Scream. But I would say for queer Millennials, it's Jennifer's body. Like, yeah. it's just, it's so iconic. And I remember seeing that in the cinema when I was like 16, 17 and be like, oh, I'm gay. Like, this is my gay awakening. <laughs> There's some
0: feelings here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One horror movie I will watch and rewatch. Okay, so how about um, our favorite category, your favorite queer crack ship? So I had to say,
1: I had to Google this, so please tell me if it's right. I sound really old. I didn't know what a crack ship was, but is that just like a really unhinged ship that doesn't yeah. supposed to make sense? The,
0: the example that we use, I don't know if you've watched Merlin, but is Uther and Gaius. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So
1: I couldn't find any that were horribly. I didn't have a lot, a lot, enough time to go in the Tumblr archives, but <laughs> I decided to make my own and what would be more iconic than the Babadook and Freddy Krueger as a (laughs) fact ship?
0: That is amazing. That might be the best one yet.
1: Oh, I'm taking that crown then.
0: (laughs) That's great. I want to see the fan art. I I I don't know if I I can... I'm working on it right now. Apple Pencils out. I'm drawing right now. (laughs) I
1: need to see that though. I need that in my life.
0: So now that you've given us a deep insight into your soul, (laughs) do tell us a little bit more about queer horror. Yeah, so
1: I'm very much going to give like a whistle stop tour of the history of queer horror because like, there's so much that you could say, but really, it kind of starts off in like German expressionism. So like the 1920s.
0: We should have got chaos. One on of hand. our team has actually suggested a whole episode on German expressionism, so
1: Yes. You should do it. It's so good. There's so much that you can talk about when it comes to queerness in German expressionism, but probably argued like the first horror film ever is Nosferatu, and the director for it, FW. Murnau, Murnau, I might be mispronouncing his name, but he was a gay man. He actually moved from Germany to the States, because obviously at the time being gay, not a great thing, but you can see a lot of queer subtext in Nosferatu. A lot of the like universal monsters as well. So we had Frankenstein in 1931. That was directed by James Whale, who was an openly gay man at the time. And we had Bride of Frankenstein. And a lot of the universal monsters are queer coded because... You know, I say like I say it in the essay in "Hear a Scream, Horror in the Closet" that I wrote. That you know, these monsters that get like chased with pitchforks. That's how a lot of us as queer people feel, and we're demonized and ostracized just simply for existing and being who we are. Because these monsters, then asked to be monsters. You know, that they, they just they are just attacked for simply existing, and we can feel that kind of otherization as queer people and i feel like that's why we gravitate towards them and gravitate to villains as well um and then we kind of move like a little bit from the kind of monsters of like the 30s to 40s and the 50s to the Hayes code so this is like a piece of like film history that i kind of specialize in so you know after kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit in german expressionism um Hollywood, well, audiences in the West, especially in the States, didn't like that. So they said to the government, you need to regulate this. So we had the motion picture production code, which is kind of more commonly known as the Hays Code. And that came in from 1934 to 1968, because they felt like the liberal themes of the 20s were contributing towards debauchery in society, um, quotation marks, even though you can't see um but basically the haze code is it's inherently racist homophobic sexist it essentially you know it stopped people from like showcasing a lot of things on screen there was a lot of things that you couldn't show so people had to come up with loopholes so a lot of queer filmmakers or people wanted to show queer people on screen they had to use a lot of stereotypes to say this person's gay without actually saying they're gay or you know there would become tropes and that's where we get things like the bury gaze trope lesbian bed death we have like the dandy the feminine man and you know all these other kind of tropes and that's where we get a lot of queer horror as well so kind of coming from that we get um like queer coded villains so one of my favorites like i mean lesbian vampires that's a whole thing in the 70s as well i mean that whole era is just lesbian vampire horror believe
0: further than that i mean it goes back to carmilla
1: oh yeah coming in Dracula's daughter in like 1936 and everything like that it goes way way back but I was just I'm jumping forward a little bit um but you also have like Alfred Hitchcock as well during like the 50s and 60s and he was known for queer coding I mean his films they're queer coded and they were full of mummy issues like that's that's Hitchcock in a nutshell a good
0: afternoon <laughs> yeah
1: but you had like queer coded villains like in Rope, you know, we had um, two gay men in that film and they were, you know, they were com- um, committed murder. He had a lot of like queer actors as well in his films, but obviously they weren't saying that they were gay. We had Miss um, Danver and Rebecca, Strangers on a Train, obviously Norman Bates in Psycho. But even, sorry, even going back a bit, probably one of my favourite queer-coded films is Cat People from the 1930s. It's probably one of my favourite horror films, actually, because the cinematography is Chef's Kiss. And it's just basically about a woman who's going through, you know, compulsory heteronormativity and is actually a lesbian. And she's only started to realise it. And then she becomes a big panther at the end. <laughs>
0: Spoiler. I'm um, sold. That is sold. Uh, gotta watch that.
1: You, you need to watch that uh, and then we have like the queer slashers as well so things like you know Freddy Krueger's always been kind of coded as gay and we especially see that in like um Nightmare on Elm Street 2 he has like a really like pretty much it's I would say it's canon his relationship with Jesse um, but we also have like queer characters in Scream um, we also have the Alien franchise as well so Ripley's always been coded as queer I recently spoke about it at that conference in Surrey about Ripley being coded as non-binary, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm a piece of research I'm going to be working on in the next couple of months. Oh my god,
0: I would love to hear more about that because I always felt a lot of gender envy from Ripley, and yeah, we'll, we'll bring you back to do an episode about that for sure. Yeah, please. yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, because like I'm still I'm still kind of like going through it just now. I'm, I'm writing a piece about it, but um, you know when they did the scripting for Alien. The whole cast of that wasn't gendered because they were focusing on the xenomorph because obviously that's that's inspired by hr geiger's work they were really focused on the xenomorph so when it came to writing the cast all of them weren't gendered ripley wood was never originally gendered and there's a really good book called men women and chainsaws by carl glover and it talks about the final girl and um how kind of the final girl can demolish femininity can embrace masculinity and there's been this kind of new wave of rather than saying final girl saying final subject because you know we do have non-binary final characters as well so there's a lot of talk about Ripley being non-binary so there's definitely something there and then like another iconic character in queer slasher is quite very controversial in the first film but it does redeem itself in the second is Angela in Sleepaway Camp which is uh, she's a trans villain um, I will say in away Camp the original the the reveal of Angela being trans is very problematic but in the second one a lot of people see it as a bit of a liberation because one thing that we talk about a lot with um you know queer villains or sometimes just like queer female like characters they're not evil for the sake of being evil because we have like I mean most of the big monsters and serial killers and villains and horror are are men you know freddy jason michael myers there's not really that many women so angela's one that's just unapologetically evil and she's an absolute badass i mean the amount of bodies she piles up in sleepaway camp Two gives like hh holmes a run for his money honestly like it's 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 incredible and she's just like a very liberated character by the second film so i definitely recommend that and then just kind of last point because i know i'm babbling on no no, it's like (laughs) Um kind of now we're going through like a horror renaissance. So like, you know, the 70s and 80s were really massive for horror. We had slashers. We had our big franchises coming out like Halloween and Friday the 13th and Scream and all these other big franchises. And then the 90s, I mean, Scream was the big thing of the 90s, but horror kind of had a bit of a, a downtime. But I would say over the past 10 years, even over the past five years, you know, with studios like A24 and Blumhouse and Shudder and like directors like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster and um you know we're really going through like a renaissance and we are getting a renaissance of queer horror as well so we've had things like the perfection what keeps you alive bit you know we had bisexual representation of men in Velvet Buzzsaw which is like unheard of not only for horror but just in general bi men don't Mm -hmm. get any rep yeah um But, you know, also in recent years, like Candyman, Craft, Fear Street Trilogy, Haunting of Bly Manor. You know, we're getting a lot of TV series on Netflix as well about queer horror. There's actually, well, it'll be out now once this comes out, but on Shudder. And if anyone's into horror, definitely get Shudder because it's like the Netflix of horror. They're doing a four-part documentary series about the history of queer horror. And it's got some incredible people, um, directors, writers, you know, being interviewed for it. I definitely recommend watching that. Um, but yeah, we're just getting more and more queer horror, which is. Just, and
0: yes, oh, I can't. Awesome.
1: Say, that's I pretty much it. it. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it's queer, but I did see the trailer this morning for uh, that um, Jordan Peele and Henry Selick um, new, film, uh, yeah. new film. And I'm really excited about it. I I had There's no this idea no- this was coming out
1: oh there's nope as well so actually i was going to mention that so nope came out like maybe a month or two ago i went to see it and there's a really great character in that because kiki palmer plays and like a lesbian character in the film and she's such a strong character in that even though she's not the protagonist of it she's just this out and proud black lesbian and she's also like um Kiki Palmer's a lesbian as well, just in general, like in, in her day-to-day life. And she steals the show in that film. She's absolutely hilarious. And her sexuality isn't her defining trait in the film either. She's like, she really holds her own. I'd be really interested if you see Nope, what you think of it, because it is so different from Us and Get Out. Like, I didn't know anything going into it. And I know some people, a lot of people either love it or hate it like it's that. it's I've one or the other
0: because people have certain expectations going into um those movies and and some of them weren't happy with it but yeah I haven't seen any of them obviously because I'm a wuss <laughs>
1: I think you could you could probably watch get out it's not too too scary I would say it's a really good film that's mm-hmm. my rant done <laughs>
0: Yeah um, and well I'll probably do more episodes about this but just to kind of fill in the literature side of it um, definitely all of the queer-coded monsters that you've, you've mentioned um, a lot of them come from literature and um, mostly gothic and 18th century literature 19th century sorry uh, and they also come from usually authors that are suspected to have been queer. You know, uh, Mary Shelley Bram Stoker almost certainly um, was queer. It has its roots in in literature and then obviously it carries over to film adaptations as well. So yeah, that's our history of queer horror. And um, next up, uh, Lucy's gonna talk about a specific example, which is a bit closer to the format that we usually do. And yeah, I spent this afternoon watching this movie and it was very fun. I have notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically we're
1: talking about, you know, two gay vampires that raise a baby together. Like dad goals, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think of, there's a lot of films you can think about with queer horror, but I know how much you like vampires as well, May, so I thought Interview with a Vampire. It's it's a, I say it's a classic, it's like... 90s early 2000s but i would still call it a classic
0: well you Uh, also you had to pick something that it could handle well yes this is true (laughs) (laughs) it's it's
1: not it's not too it's not gore it's not too spooky No, it's It's, It's it's
0: i can do vampires vampires aren't too scary
1: yeah um but essentially we have at the start we have a journalist which is played by christian slater doing an interview with this very angsty tortured 200 year old vampire and uh, played by Brad Pitt and throughout the narrative of the film we learn about the life of Louis and the heartache he faces as a vampire um, and he he's turned into a vampire by Lestat and over the course of the film these two are hella gay, like the gay yearning is unmatched um, you know essentially to me they become like a couple of, of sorts and they turn a girl called Claudia that's played by um kirsten dunce and she's only 12 years old when she was in this film and i have to say the acting from her at that age is really good um and they essentially raise her as their own daughter um and you know even like i did i didn't read all the Anne rice books but being the angsty emo child that i was emo kid reading <laughs> twilight i did read a bit of Anne rice and you know lestat is confirmed as queer like in queen of the damned as well like the queen of the damned movie which like Lestat is the protagonist in that a lot of people had issues with it because they didn't show Lestat is queer because in the book he has male and female lovers so he is confirmed as bi Mm -hmm. um so I mean they do definitely play into it here I mean even when they have like the feeding scenes together they're feeding off the same victims and that's quite an intimate act and the way they're looking at each other I mean it's it's very spicy. (laughs)
0: in general the the way that feeding is portrayed is very sexual and Mm -hmm. that is seen feeding on men and women
1: yeah exactly Uh, Anne rice tends to say that she doesn't because obviously vampires are very sexualized in in general um vampires have kind of always been represented as very sexual queer polyamorous which makes sense i mean if you're going to live forever you might as well have fun doing it and break yeah. all the social norms, um, but she doesn't tend to use sex a lot in her books because vampires take pleasure more from feeding. So feeding is kind of seen as sex. Um, but I'm interested to see what the both of you think about this. It's pretty gay, right? <laughs>
0: I mean, it's yes, Drew it's Drew hasn't, gay. Did you have you seen? No, you haven't seen it, at Drew, right? I have done the thing where you know on Tumblr where you've basically watched all of it by watching lots of GIFs yeah. and like every single time when a GIF comes up I'm like they're fruity they're so like the way that they look at each other it's it's yeah it's very akin I mean Merlin came after but you don't know, like the way Merlin and Arthur look at each other yeah, yeah. it's it's very similar um mm-hmm. so I have notes um I took some notes while watching the movie and I thought I'd just read them out in a list with no yes, context please. love that <laughs> They're so fucking gay. That's <laughs> when he bites him for the first time and they float up. So camp. So gay. This is the bisexual agenda. Are they having a threesome? <laughs> Dramatic bitches, both of them. Why are they standing so close to each other? Upset with your boyfriend? Burn the house down. The way he drops <laughs> the girl into the coffin, I cackled. Uh, that feeling when you try to kill a child and accidentally adopt it. Uh, and that feeling when your ex won't fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the the dropping the girl in the coffin has nothing to do with the gay, but I just I had I had to note it down because <laughs> it's, it's <so> funny. Funny.
1: <laughs> but even like other things. So like you know when Louis is like trying to find out more about like the history of vampires and everything like because at the at the beginning he's grieving as well because he's lost his like wife and kids and stuff. Um you know he meets this other vampire armand and his troop of vampires and you can definitely see that he he's kind of got the hots for him i mean claude i took a note claude even says to him that he wants you as you want him so it's like come on i I, there's a little bit of
0: there's a little i was was surprised at how like obvious that language was like that he wants you it's (laughs) Wow, The early 2000s were a completely different time, though. I feel like early 2000s stuff was so camp compared to yeah. a lot of things. That Th- this right movie is so camp. I don't remember it being that camp.
1: There is a lot of camp horror from that time. I just recently It's really bad. I'd seen it once um, years ago and recently watched For Ghoul Friends because it's Lindsay's favourite movie, Death Becomes Her. You should watch that because both of you because it is so camp. It's not. It's Been not. No oh, it's so good. It's Mel Streep at her finest and Goldie Hawn, and yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I've seen. I've seen this uh, an extract of the scene where her heads. Turns around and um, yeah, it looks really fun in camp.
1: I was really jazzed. Lindsay always says like her first horror movies that she watched was Elvira, Adam's Family, and Death Becomes Her. And I was like, how did you not know the by there and then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Adam's Family is the by agenda too.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And um, something that's quite interesting as well. I was just looking at like some trivia and things. So the original book for Interview with a Vampire, which is like a massive series. Um, it was released in 1976, and Anne Rice was like really hesitant when she wrote it. She actually was originally going to write Louis as a woman because she thought that Hollywood's ingrained homophobia would like stop it from getting like you know mm. getting getting notoriety. And when they made the film, they were also looking at potentially making Louie a, a woman and they were actually going to have they were thinking of having either Angelica Houston which would be amazing I mean Morticia Adams hello um, yes. or Cher playing a female Cher. Louis <laughs> I know Cher really
0: random choice <laughs> it would be a very different film yeah I d- I'm not sure I would have seen as many uh, GIFs on Tumblr if it was Okay. I'm pretty sure. sure the only acting I've seen Cher do is in Mamma Mia <laughs> yeah <laughs> Those last five minutes of YouTube, too. Rollers remember Me too, I guess.
1: I'd <laughs> um, also like a lot about trivia because, like, on Go Friends, we just do trivia galore. Um, Interview of a v- Vampire was the first LGBT film and the first vampire film to cross over 100 million at the box office. It did pretty damn well, so yeah, mm. clap, clap for that. And then we had Queen of the Damned, which was just amazing but it just wasn't queer if that was queer it, I'd probably prefer it to interview with a vampire because I mean just the music in that like Korn and Linkin Park and like all this like new metal it's so emo it's wonderful I have not seen
0: it, and now I want to see, see it just for the, the emo vibes oh you should you should so that's it a- I don't really have much more to say on that without <laughs> going
1: really in depth on the plot but if you haven't watched it do because yeah it's just Two queer vampires raising a child together. You know, just being vampire dads.
0: Yeah, and I do, I do think you're right. And Kirsten Dance is really impressive in that movie because she has to play that kind of like eternal child, but she lives for centuries, and so you can see her becoming more hardened and more like a internally an adult as the time goes on. And I'm like, this this is a this is a child playing this character who becomes like really cruel and it's it's cool. I like it.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to play. And what I quite like about that, and there's a couple other films that touch on this that I'll kind of maybe recommend near the end. It's that like, you know, people see immortality as like the most amazing thing ever. And I joke all the time. I hate getting old and like you know existential crisis being 28. But um, you know, it would be, being a vampire and like not being able to grow up, especially because of how she, the age that she was
0: changed at. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. other... It's like, not well, the same thing being changed in, like, your 20s or your 30s and being changed as yeah. a child.
1: Yeah, and there's nobody else her age that she can relate to. You know, mm-hmm. she's just... The only people that she interacts with is Louis Lestat and a couple other vampires like Armand now and again, but she's very much kind of isolated on her own.
0: Yeah. Um, they they kind of deal with um, that kind of theme in uh, the Eternals movie with... Um... I've forgotten her name, but there is a character who is eternally a child and is like really messed up by it because you know she can never have romance, she can never have uh, anything that she wants to have as someone who's lived for millennia. Um, So yeah, it's it's really sad to think about, but it's really great acting for sure. Um, Yeah, definitely. And I love the kind of like yeah vampire teen rebellion kill your dad <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do teen rebellion yeah yeah if
1: you're gonna do it like go go all out go yeah. so. big
0: or go home you know kill your dad yeah. <laughs> well she can't go home because her mom died in the plague And <laughs> this, that dances with the fucking corpse of her mom I was like dude <laughs> oh, yes. people cope in different ways May. people <laughs> yeah people process trauma in different ways <laughs> Well he's not processing trauma. He doesn't have anything to do with her, He's just having some fun. He's right coping am. in different ways. <laughs> he's so queer coded that I, I wasn't surprised when you said that he was, you know, canon uh, canon queer because yeah. I was like there's no way. There's no way he's not You,
1: you can't not, but I refuse to believe any vampires can be straight. Like yeah. come on. If you're gonna be around forever, like yeah. What we do in the shadows. I still haven't seen that, you know, <gasps> I need
0: to. It's very gay. Yeah,
1: <gasps> Like, I know, everyone's just
0: the, the movie and the series. Yeah, actually, my friends and I have been watching Wellington Paranormal, which is uh, another TV show that's like a spin-off of the original What We Do in the Shadows movie. Mm-hmm. And it's about a team of um, cops in, in Wellington who have to deal with paranormal stuff, and they're very um, stupid. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs>
1: If you want like a really, really bad paranormal film, like found footage one, we did an episode on it with uh, my friend Marina, and it's probably one of my favorite podcast episodes we've done because we're just cackling like witches the entire time. (laughs) It's called Grave Encounters. It is so bad that it's good.
0: Amazing. Or you know when it starts with a when the title is a pun, you already know it's going to be great. Yeah. It's like oh if, if you like this kind of pun um it has nothing to do with really with the subject of this but I have to recommend iZombie because they have some amazing puns. Yes. Oh, I All missed of that show. businesses. Perfect. Meat <laughs> butcher shop. Shady plots. The, the villains' funeral home. I mean it's great. It's great. <laughs> Blaine is an icon.
1: Absolute icon.
0: Yeah, I've been rewatching that with my flatmate, and uh, she's been enjoying it, except for the uh, bad um, lab practices. She's not happy (laughs) about the fact that they don't wear their lab coats properly and the morgue doesn't seem to have a lock. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, anyone can just kind of go in and out, security, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll need to do a full episode on iZombie because uh, I have thoughts and also uh, Art has been rewatching it and came in the other day saying I've decided that the entire main cast of this show should be a polycule, so probably we'll have Art on to to, <laughs> to do an episode about
1: that. Love that. I did um, a little while ago an episode on Ladies and Ligaments on why Twilight would have been so much better if it was a polycule. I mean that that would have been one film, one book. Everything would have been sorted if it was just a queer polycule. I mean, the Collins kind of are really, yeah. but I mean, just Throttle, Bella, Jacob, and it Edward. solves a lot of
0: problems in a lot of books if you just yeah. made them a Throttle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like I, I do have to uh, specify that some people are mono. I get
1: that. I'm mono as well, but I'm just like it solves problems. It just solves go do it, like for other people. <laughs> Not for me, but for you. Yes, I yeah. love that for you. For
0: everyone else, <laughs> literally. <laughs> that was a great episode. It was great. To yeah, play. it was so Oh, fun. we would have to do Cannon Corner. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the Shadows. That's Cannon, cannon yeah. Vampires. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Vampires. I didn't even think uh, of that one, actually. I was just thinking of Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Um, One of the main couple um, is a vampire. And it's a magic school thing um yeah and uh it's it's quite nice so if you're like me and you're a wimp it's not horror like at all um yeah
1: so if you want some recommendations specifically vampires if you want the ultimate queer 80s vampire film the hunger is so good um it's got david barry in it and it's it's essentially it's about like three by vampires um, it has like a really well done lesbian sex scene in it as well. Probably one of the most iconic lesbian sex scenes ever. Not just in horror in general, but it's very queer. It's very 80s. It's got you know polyamorous relationships in it as well, and it shows like a very tender, loving relationship. And for the 80s, it's just done really well. Um, more of an old school film. Probably one of my favorite va- uh, vampire films is Daughters of Darkness. That's a 70s film, um, and I need to get her name right. She's called Count something. Give me a second, because I don't want to get this wrong, because it's actually based on a real Countess. Um, and I think you'll like it, mate, because it's got a lot of Dracula references and, like, the cinematography and stuff. Uh, countess of Bathory. So Countess of Bathory was actually a Hungarian Countess, and she was she was really... Um, infamous because she used to bathe in the blood of like young women to like stay young she had a big thing about being young and mortality and the Countess of Bathory is based on her and she's this like she's this vampire and basically she meets this couple at this like French hotel on the way to their like honeymoon they've just been married and she basically seduces them and she seduces uh the woman out of them both and like she's just this femme fatale lesbian and like it's just it's very gothic as well um and it's just like a classic vampire film Countess of Bathory like even just the the costuming in that film is beautiful um and a couple other like vampire films as well bit from 2019 I always recommend that that's a really good modern queer vampire film it also has um you know positive representation of trans women we have a, a, a lesbian trans vampire in there we'd love to see it we love to see it um but there's lot. i mean just like from you know dracula's daughter as well lots from the 30s lots from the 70s um yeah i'm trying to see if there's anything else what else did i put down those were my main ones but you yeah, the hunger i feel like no- not enough people speak about the hunger that was really really good from the 80s so if you want 80s vampires that are hella gay. And there's like roller skates all over the place and shoulder, oh, shoulder yeah. pads and like techno music and it's based in Brooklyn and yeah,
0: Amazing. Go, go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the last recommendation that I'll give is if you like uh, canon queer people, creators and uh, and the people specifically in this episode, um, <laughs> yeah, ch- check out the Edgar Allan Poe stories on, on the Audrey app because... Uh, I work for them. Uh, Lucy did the guide and Drew did the illustrations. So this is truly a team effort from everyone yeah. involved. Proper collab. <laughs> proper, proper collab. No, it, it's been great for me to be able to commission people that I know that are massively talented to actually do paid work. So it's, it's mm-hmm. lovely. Okay, um, that's it for us today. Stay queer. Stay queer. Yeah, stay queer. Yeah. This podcast is a no-storytelling production. It is produced and edited by May2Dick and hosted by Drew Frankie, Victory and May2Dick. If you want to support us, please recommend us to your friends, follow us on social media, and consider subscribing to our Patreon. All the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening!